This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Well, it's not Bo Snurdly. Momentarily, you'll be reconnected uh, with James Golden. George Julie Curtis Sliwa. Take you as far as I can until the connection is made. This is a situation today that demands that, uh, well, demands that there be a, a more intensive uh, dive into what is uh, causing, I believe, a threat upon our country that is all part and parcel of what we're seeing at the uh, border. We, uh, are celebrating President's Day. And as I uh, I actually began the day, I thought of the two presidents that we owe our nation's uh, 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 past and future to. George Washington, the father of our country, the man who could have been the king but chose not to be. A man who was being pressured first by his troops in what they uh, called the Newberg letter, uh, a number of his uh, commanders, captains, lieutenants, and others who said, you should be king. And uh, George Washington, the general, commander-in-chief, said, no, 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 that's what we're uh, battling against. It was Alexander Hamilton who suggested that we have a president who could serve for their entire lifetime, only potentially to be impeached. And uh, then George Washington said, no, no, that's not what the future of our country should be. You had John Adams, the second president to serve uh, the United States, who actually suggested that George Washington, when he became president, be called his majesty. And again, to his credit, he said, please, please, a thousand times, no. I will serve this country because, brand new as it is, it is in complete disarray. There were many, many threats to this new America. But he said, I'd like to finish a a term and then return to my home in Virginia. And once again, he was appointed president by the brand new Congress and served a second term. He was never elected by the people of the United States. And there was a chorus of those who felt that he should run for a third term and serve uh, this brand-new nation. And that's when he said, enough is enough. It's time for me to return to my home in Virginia and to uh, allow the process to go on. And so we ended up with John Adams and then Thomas Jefferson and then John Quincy Adams. 
So imagine how this country might have changed radically for all time, just having had a revolution to uh, remove the crown from uh, the backs of America where we were being forced to buck and bow to the Union Jack and to give up uh, freedoms and liberties to the crown. To suddenly just move in the direction and have a, a kingdom this time run by somebody from the colonies, in this case, George Washington. We owe him everything because there was a propensity of opinions back then that we should have some kind of quasi-monarchy uh, monarchy that was involved with a legislative process, very similar to what we see in the situation of the U.K. now, where you have a monarchy and you have a parliament. George Washington said no. And then to Abraham Lincoln, oh, we owe everything. He's a man who kept the country together at a time in which uh, there were those who wanted to divide us, starting with South Carolina, which seceded in 1860. It was quickly followed by not Mississippi as a state, but rather New York City, whose mayor at that time wanted us to secede and actually join the Confederacy. And it wasn't until the Battle of Fort Sumter when the Confederates charged and in a two-day barrage, the Union Army had to give up and the Civil War was on. A total of 11 states against those in the North, those that wanted to maintain the Union. And that was Lincoln. And Lincoln, who had come about actually to become a national recognized figure because of the Lincoln-Douglas debates while running for the U.S. Senate against Stephen Douglas, the Democrat, and Abraham Lincoln, who was able to uh, start and help start with others, the Republican Party. Seven debates they had, seven debates throughout the state of Illinois. Three hours each of those debates. People traveled from everywhere. Remember, there was no amplification. Uh, There was no way that people could be heard, and yet they had spirited forensic debates. They had a give and a take. And although Stephen Douglas went on to become the U.S. Senator for Illinois, and there's a statue of him in Central Park that sometimes I pass on a regular basis, Lincoln had established himself. And then, and then, uh, oh, Bo Snurdly is on. I feel like I was giving a dissertation in history at his old high school, uh, Jackson High School in <laughs> Southeast Jamaica. You were, Curtis. Hey, thanks a lot. Sorry I'm late. One of those things here. Um, Curtis, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, and I appreciate you sticking around here, too. Today we have a special abbreviated program, Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. John Andrasik, Five for Fighting, is going to be with us. And that is an absolute treat. 800-848-WABC is the number to give us a call. 800-848-WABC is how you reach us. So many things in the news to get to. Thank you. You can fade it down. Thank you. We're late. We're going to just rip and run. Okay, yeah, I'm not even going to deal with the Fannie News today. One of the things that I wanted, you New Yorkers, and by that I mean New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, all of it, what do you think would happen if truckers around the country are serious about boycotting New York in reaction 
to this egregious lawsuit that found Donald Trump owes over $350 million in fines. MAGA truck drivers are threatening to boycott, as you know, New York City. One of the leaders of that protest has just said they don't want to hurt the people of New York, but at the same time, they want to send a message. Message is, we're not taking loads to New York. If you treat Trump like that, fine, we're not taking the loads. Everyday people could get hurt by this. No supplies, critical things that they need. Also, over the weekend, New York's Archdiocese, St. Patrick's Cathedral, hit by a funeral for a transgender that was totally sacrilegious. This was so disrespectful. Inside the church, celebrating, quote-unquote, at least one report that I read, I've only seen this in one place, they call this transgender person the mother of all whores, and they were celebrating turning uh, traditional songs that are worship songs on their head, just a pure sacrilegious event, obviously meant as an insult to the church, mockery of the church at St. Pat's. Those of you who share the Catholic faith, I wonder what you think ought to be the response to this. One of Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul says, in response to questions whether New York businesses will leave because they fear what could ha- their businesses could be affected in similar fashion as to what happened to Donald Trump's organization. Kathy Hochul told New York businesses, there's nothing at all to worry about. Don't fear. Nothing to worry about. It's an unusual unusual circumstance that law-abiding and rule-following New Yorkers who are business people have nothing to worry about because they're different than Donald Trump and his behavior. This is a blatant lie. There is everything to fear. This has nothing to do about Donald Trump's behavior. This has to do with Letitia James, the Democrat Party, weaponizing New York's judicial system to take out a political opponent. And if they can take out Donald Trump the way they are trying to take him out, to strip him of his wealth, to strip and injure and wound his family from conducting business and making a livelihood, if they can do it to Donald Trump, you have everything to worry about. If you get on Letitia James' wrong side, it'll be you in the crosshairs next. You decide that they, they decide that you might be too powerful against their Democrat Party. They will take your business out. You now have seen how it's done. So this business of you have nothing to worry about, yeah, you have everything to worry about. You are in New York. You are dealing with political. You are dealing with political wickedness on a level that we have never seen in this country before. At the same time, by the way, Kathy Hochul is making light of the fact that Democrats have turned New York into its own little third world fiefdom. At the same time she's doing that, Kathy Hochul has changed the rules so that she can give welfare, your tax dollars, welfare payments to people that are in this country illegally. 
So she strips this government in New York, Letitia James, Kathy Hochul, this Judge Engron, all of these people are part of one machine. They strip Donald Trump of his wealth. They are attempting to. They try to strip him of his livelihood and his family. And at the same time, you get this. The state of New York has been. This just didn't start. They have been. Have been giving cash payments to thousands of migrants who typically would not qualify for state welfare. Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul quietly changed the state safety net assistance program eligibility rules in May. May of last year to allow non-citizens of the United States who have pending applications for asylum to receive benefits, making thousands and thousands and thousands of illegal immigrants eligible for your tax dollars vis-a-vis welfare payments. Now, this whole asylum program is another Democrat Party scam. These people are not being vetted. They come up with any story whatsoever. We don't have the resources, the man or woman power to vet these people. This entire asylum program is a sham. And so people get here illegally. They're not vetted. And what does Kathy Hochul, what do these Democrats do while they are cutting back your resources? While they are cutting back resources intended for senior citizens, for New Yorkers in need, they cut back your resources and they give welfare payments to people who are not citizens of this country, who are not citizens of this city, of this state. Hand over your money to people that don't even, in some cases, should not even be in your city. And then she tells you, you have nothing to worry about. You have everything to worry about. This is insanity. There is no other nation on the face of the earth that I have ever read in history that has done something this asinine, this stupid. And yet these people look with a straight face and tell you to swallow this. Accept it. Oh, we're going to invite people here that are unvetted. They beat up your law enforcement. They commit crimes, some of them, not the majority of them, are committing crimes, part of gangs that are coming here, organized gangs from other countries. They come here, and then Kathy Hochul and the Democrat Party give them your tax dollars, while at the same time making sure that they go on the attack and try to destroy former President of the United States Donald Trump and his family after all that Donald Trump and his family have done to increase prosperity in New York. We have to take a break. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, with you here. In a little while, 4.30... John Andrasic joins us. My friend, John Andrasic, Five for Fighting, on WABC Talk Radio 77. Keep it right here. Every boy wants a girl he can trust to the very end.
This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On this day, 2004, Johnny Cash's family had to get into the act. They blocked an attempt by advertisers to use this song, Ring of Fire, to promote a hemorrhoids relief product. (laughs) It is. His daughter said the family would never, ever, ever allow this song to be demeaned selling a hemorrhoids relief product. 2004, Johnny Cash. All right, coming up in about five minutes, John and Jurassic will be with us. I want to take a call or two really quickly uh, and see what is on your mind this afternoon. Debbie in Staten Island, you're up. How are you doing? Hi. I'm doing great, Bo. Nice to talk to you. First of all, Fanny Willis's new name is Pop-Tart. And anyway, (laughs) I'm a little concerned about uh, President Trump, when he gets into office, that these terrorists that are coming in will make their attacks then. This way, everything could be blamed on him during his presidency. What do you think about that? I don't trust this Democratic Party. I am telling you that I think that n- normally if, if someone had called like that in normal, in normal times, you'd say, oh, come on, that sounds so far-fetched. There is nothing, nothing that sounds far-fetched in these days when it concerns Donald Trump and what, will, and what the Democrats would try to do to harm him. Now, am I saying the Democrats would encourage terrorists to do that? No, but you have said this right, unvetted. Today there was another story, um, and I didn't, I didn't print this story, about the number of people that are coming in from China that yeah. are unvetted and from other. We don't know who is crossing, the, what their intentions are. There are so many people now, 6 million that we know of, and another potential million that Joe Biden and this administration have let in. We do not have the resources to vet these people. We don't have the resources to catch these people, the ones that have been just uh, released into society. So who knows what is being planned here? Joe Biden had the nerve, the absolute gall, somebody in his administration, I don't believe he knows how to use X or what used to be Twitter, but someone put a post. The Republicans, don't you think it's time the Republicans uh, uh, take some responsibility for national security? I'm paraphrasing it. And it was it was like, how dare you? How dare anyone in this administration put up anything on social media suggesting that Republicans aren't taking care of national security when this administration has allowed almost 7 million people to come here and we can't understand who these people are. It's insanity. There is no other country in the world that would allow this. Uh, Shani in Harlem, you are up next on oh, WABC. 
Hello? Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I spoke to you a long time ago and suggested you have a, a bell-bottom bash, Bose bell-bottom bash party. I love, love it. I love that idea. I love it then. I, I love it now. Charity. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just, I started listening to your show. I love it every day when I can. And I'm so disgusted by the lack of respect and degradation to all people of faith. I don't care what religion, it could be anything. But these people just are determined to uh, just degrade and disrespect. It's just so, what do people do about this? I I don't know. What happened at St. Patrick's Cathedral with this Assyria Gentile uh, transgender service was a disgrace. The Catholic Church is outraged by it. I think people that honor people's religion, regardless, as you said, of what religion it is, I think anyone that honors the people and, and respects other people's religion should be outraged what happened here. It was deceitful. It was meant to to openly mock the church inside the church. It was a disgrace. And I think that these organizations, and by the way, Governor Hochul, our very Governor Hochul issued a statement in praise of this person that passed away, this transgender person, this uh, Cecilia Gentelli. Not a word condemning what happened inside St. Patrick's Cathedral. Not one word. But she praises this woman, this man, woman. Uh, again, disgraceful. When they started Johnny, calling out, you know, when they put dung on the Virgin, when they put dung on the Virgin Mary, and they put the cross in urine, it started a long time ago, and it's never gotten better. It's only gotten worse. Absolutely right, Johnny. Well, thank, thank you, you for the call. Me. I appreciate it. Okay, we're gonna uh, stop down now. When we get back. We are expected to be joined by my friend, John Andrasic. You know John is five for fighting. On WABC, Talk Radio 77. Keep it right here. On 77 WABC. We're going to give you four words. We are not all right. We are not all right when we see young girls pulled from their home and dragged through the streets. When we see grandmothers being pulled away to children's shop in front of their families. We are not all right when right here in the city of New York you have those who celebrate at the same time when the devastation is taking place in our city. This is a time for choosing. This is a time to mourn. You're listening to The Voice. The moral man is losing. The message. The creativity of the artist known as Five for Fighting. Fill 
His name is John Andrasic. Are not. We are are not. John, my friend, welcome back to this program. John, how are you? James, always a pleasure. I, I've probably done a thousand interviews, but never quite an intro like that. You are creative and awesome, my friend. John, first of all, once again, you have done it. I, when I saw the music video, first, folks, the music that you heard is so chilling and so gut-wrenching. You have, if you have not seen the video, you have to seek out this music video that Five for Fighting, that John Andrasic has done here. You must see this video. John, what we, I know what inspired you. The song says what inspired you, but how did you, when did you decide to do this, and how did this come together for you? You know, I think we all were horrified by the atrocities of October 7th. I think for so many of us, it reminded us of 9-11 and, frankly, also the Afghan withdrawal, where we were seeing these images of just unimaginable horrors. But then the aftermath um, in the coming days and weeks and months, I think also kind of shocked so many of us. Maybe it shouldn't have, but the, the collapse of our institutions. You saw in New York City, your hometown, within 24 hours, thousands of people in Times Square celebrating the beheading of babies and rape and murders of women and kids at a concert. And then, of course, then the media started <clears throat> kind of echoing Hamas propaganda. Of course, our college campuses, our elite college campuses, and I put elite in quotes, I don't know, completely um, kind of rotted out with this anti-Semitism. And of course, even in the halls of Congress, uh, you have members of Congress just the other day, uh, Rashida, Rashida Tlaib refused to vote to condemn the rapes and murders of women um, at the Nova concert. So I think all that, James, kind of made me take up Eric Adams' uh, message that you heard at the beginning of that song when Eric Adams came out and said, look, something's really wrong. Uh, we're not all right. Uh, the culture is deeply damaged. And certainly it's nothing new. We've, we've, we've seen it coming for decades, but I think it opened our eyes, and that was really the impetus of me writing this song. John, it, it, you are becoming, it seems to me, uh, look, you, you are such a successful songwriter, and you could just very easily sit out these sort of controversies that happen across the, the globe. I mean, you're mega hit, Superman, it's not easy, 100 years, the riddle, chances. You have so many songs that are, that just fit in to everyday life, and, and you've become very successful. It seems over the, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems that you are being affected personally in ways that you have not been affected up until this time in your career, and your music is showing 
a deeper side of your own consciousness. Do you, do you want to comment on that? You know, I take no joy in writing these songs. I, I you know, I kind of, I'm annoyed when celebrities get on their soapbox and lecture to us about, you know, politics and world events. But, you know, look, James, you're, you're a songwriter. You know the history of music. Uh, there's been a history throughout um, throughout music of, of people writing about the time. Certainly the 60s and the protest songs of the 60s uh, were very important to the culture. And I think songwriters have always had an obligation or need to speak to the issues of the day. And it's interesting, you know, so many people, especially with this latest song, you know, I, I get one question uh, when everybody asks me about this, this song, okay. And the question is, where is everybody else? Where are the other songwriters? Where are the where other Where is everybody else, John? John, yeah. where, is, where is everybody else, John? I wish I had a good answer for you, James. I mean, look, you know, we're talking New York City right now. You know, 22 years ago, I had the honor of a lifetime to play the concert for New York, and every icon in music was there, um, you know, providing solace to New York, condemning the acts of Osama bin Laden. And here we are 20 years later, and we have these similar atrocities. And it's crickets. It's silence. And look, I talk to folks who know some of the, the, the icons in this business, and, and they say, look, we're, you know, they're scared. They're worried about their families. They don't want their concerts protested. And that's all true. Look, when Israel shared my video on their social media, I get it. I get there's a lot of people out there that are crazy, threats. But, you know, James, those arguments were the same arguments people used in 1938 uh, that led yes. to the Holocaust. And, and you know, the, the last image of my song is, and here we are in Black History Month, you know, is Martin Luther King basically saying silence in the face of evil is complicity. And I don't expect every artist to stand up and, and you know, start screaming about condemning Hamas. But nobody? I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really a disgrace and a shame to this generation of artists, especially those of my generation who know better. Let me ask you about that because yes, your song has been embraced. Your song has talked to us about some of the experiences that you have had since this music video. It's more than a song, John, because this is a song and a movie. It is a short movie. I'm not even going to call it a music video. It is a movie because it grabs you. Just like the song grabs you. And John, once again, I don't know how you pull these performances out of yourself. It is raw. It is beautiful. It is chilling. All of that. Talk to us about some of the experiences you've had since you released this. You know, it's similar to when I put out uh, the Afghan song, you know, Blood on My Hand, James, and also the Ukraine song. Um, you get thousands of emails. You know, I've, I've received thousands of emails from Jewish folks saying, you know, we feel abandoned. Um, nobody kind of f feels our pain. Um, and of course, you get a lot of folks who are angry with you. But um, just like those three songs, you know, all three of my songs are connected. You know, again, I, I never thought I'd write the Afghan song. I never thought I'd write the Ukraine song. I, I never thought I'd write this song. But they're really moral messages, right? Um, you know, it's, it's really about good versus evil. Even my song, OK, it's, it's not really about Hamas versus Israel. That's just the surface. It's about those who want to support freedom, human rights, and those who want to tear down, um, tear down uh, this kind of generational um, 
freedom that we have. And, and you see that in so many of the bodies. You see that in the U.N., which is massively corrupt. But, you know, it's, it's humbling to get, you know, the responses. But that's not enough. Look, we see in some of the polling that we are losing our generation of children, our kids. From 18 to 24, more than half support Hamas over Israel. 20% say that the Holocaust never happened. 70% label Israel as an oppressor. James, we are losing our kids. And if we don't stand up, recognize that, and take action, we, we're going to lose this cultural battle for the soul of the world. And the way to do it, and James, you know it more than anybody, it's not through speeches, it's not through politicians, it's not through articles, it's through the arts. The arts are how you get to the kids. And if the artists don't stand up, I do feel we're going to lose this battle. I couldn't agree with you more. And that is always, you mentioned the 60s. When, I, when we spoke, that is what drove, that is what drove the anti-war movement. The music, the music without, can you imagine what took place in this country in the 1960s and 70s when, when the Vietnam War was waging? There is no way that that movement would have been successful without the movement. There is no way that the civil rights movement would have been successful without the music. The music and the arts are what sinks into the consciousness of a people. And that is what persuades, helps to persuade, and the imagery. And that's, John, I so love what you do because your imagery stays with people. I've sent your video, the link to your video, which you can find on YouTube, and you have to tell people where they can find people, you have to see this video. I've sent it back, and the response that I got and the response that I get is people are shocked and they are shocked at how deeply it moves them and affects them and that is what real your art does it affects people in their consciousness john and that is why it's so important as you say for the artist community to stand up and take a stand for what is good and what we know is good and to stop this 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 destruction that we see happening and it's not just in this it's not just the anti-Semitism. You see it happening in so many different aspects of our daily lives. You're so right. Look, our kids have been taught that it's not about right and wrong. It's not about good or evil. It's about oppressor versus oppressed. This kind of wokeism, this this kind of brain virus. Um, you know, it's not about content of character anymore. Um, all of these things, I think, are related. And that's um, that's why it's such, I think a battle for the generation, and it's going to take generations to overcome. Look, you could talk about Gaza, where they basically train uh, little children since they're five years old to, to hate Jews, and, and, and the goal in life is to, to murder and kill, that culture of death. But it's not just there. It's here within our kids. Just look at, just look at yesterday, another uh, Harvard um, group posted um, anti-Semitic posters all over the campus and professors and boards. It infects every aspect of our culture, our media, our politicians, our businesses. And look, we've been burying our, our heads in the sand for a long time. And one day, the silent majority is going to become the silent minority. And uh, we all have a role to play in this, James. You, me, everybody. Because um, it's going to take everybody. Uh, and hopefully, 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 my friends in the music business um, see that side of it and come to the right side of history. Amen, John. 
John, it's always so good to hear from you, my friend. Please come back. Please tell us, tell people where they can find your music video, John. Yeah, you can just go to Fight for Fighting on YouTube, OK, um, on Twitter, uh, John Andrasik, on, on Instagram, Fight for Fighting Music. And I really appreciate everybody sharing the video. You know, it's not about me. All the proceeds are going to organizations that fight anti-Semitism. And hopefully we got more projects to come, James. I, I look forward to coming, you, coming back and filling you in on some of the things we're planning. Any project you have, you be in touch. Yes, the answer is yes, John. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you, John, for taking a stand and for taking a stand in such a way that you will not be ignored. Thank you, John. Thank you, James. Take care, my friend. That's fine for fighting, my friends. John Andrasic. Time for us to check in with Lou Dobbs on WABC Talk Radio 77. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. W-A-B- Rich, who is this who I think it is? It's a little ACDC this, for you here. Is this ACDC? Featuring Bob yeah. Scott. Now, you know what day this is, and I cannot leave without saying it. This is also, you know I love ACDC. Love them. Today's Smokey Robinson's birthday. And we had a great interview with Smokey Robinson earlier in the year. And also, it's the birthday of Bobby Rogers from The Miracles. He passed away in 2013. But the one and only Smokey Robinson is still with us. And so thank you. That's a tough segue, but it still works. Happy birthday to Smokey Robinson. All right, let's get to some phone calls before we uh, take it on out of here. Uh, let's see. Let's start with Viviana. Viviana, how are you this afternoon? Well, um, I loved your um, your guest, and he was right uh, singing about things that need to be addressed. I believe that the truckers are making this stand because the only thing that Hochul and Adams and Letitia James will understand is economic problems. And people, I pray that they will support them and that we will make a big statement. Second, um, when it comes to Kathy Hochul, I think it's time for us to drain the New York swamp. I wish that there was a group of lawyers that would help us uh, do a class action suit against them for using our tax dollars illegitimately and giving it to do not qualify for it. What do you think? This is, it's, I, I think I don't know whether I don't know whether you'd find lawyers that want to stand up and do that. I don't know whether they have the guts, but I'm going to tell you it is outrageous beyond belief that this woman would take money from New York taxpayers 
and take at a time when we are cutting New Yorkers back from resources that they have paid for with their tax dollars. And now she's giving welfare payments, welfare payments to unvetted illegal immigrants. It is outrageous beyond belief. And at the same time, she says, oh, you don't have to worry if you're you're not Donald Trump. Don't worry about what happened here. Every New Yorker ought to be worried when the government can use an oppressive power and strip you of your business and strip you of your livelihood and try to make you destitute. This woman is a disgrace. These What she has come out is just disgraceful. That's what I think of it, Viviana. I always love your call. And I agree with you. John Andrasic is an amazing artist. Five for fighting, John Andrasic. Ernest in Rockland County. You're up next. What's on your mind? Yes, sir. Well, about that right there, Hochul has to have a financial disclosure statement. New York Executive Law 73A. So where is that? All you got to do is put a claim on her financial disclosure statement. The gentleman, the artist, was absolutely spot on to get kids in into Earth and into the country. We need to use the arts. And that's right. That's the, and I make toys that turn kids into a bulldozer and you learn weights and measures. So that man's right. When we sing about it, just like the gentleman from the Hudson River, uh, the, the, the folk singer, he was amazing. You are, he, and yeah, he, Pete Singer. You talk Pete Singer. Look, yes, and, and again, his name is John Andrasic. You know him as Five for Fighting. You know his song, Superman. Huge hit. He is a multi-nominated uh, Grammy uh, person. He is just one of the most amazing artists on the scene right now. Uh, let's see. Ernest, you said you make toys. I hope you call in about that. I'd love to lo- know more about your toy business and what you're doing right now, though. It is time for us to move aside. I think it is. We didn't even get to some of the stuff that I wanted to get to today, so I'm going to keep it in the stack for tomorrow. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your families, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here with me and allowing me the honor to be with you. God willing, we are back tomorrow for the Tuesday edition of Boston Early's Rush Hour here on WABC. Until then, my friends. Bye. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snerdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.